0: You're listening to the ESPN
1: Footy Tips AFL Podcast.
2: Hello everybody and welcome to a very special live edition of the ESPN Footy Tips AFL Podcast previewing tomorrow night's big game. For those who haven't listened in before, my name is Matt Walsh from ESPN Australia and joining me as always is Neil Seawang, Neil couple of sad-looking footies in the background of your little Zoom window there.
3: <laughs> uh, I was just talking to you before, wasn't I, about the fact that I don't have an adult-sized footy anymore because I lost one in, in a recent move and I've got the two kids' ones uh, on the couch behind me.
2: Well, it looks like you should be able to get plenty of uh, hand control and,
3: uh, <laughs> and everything. <laughs> I don't kick very well. <laughs> I
2: don't kick very well. Yeah, that is a shame. Jake Michaels, you've got a more adult-sized footy behind you in your little background. Welcome along to the podcast for the day.
0: Thank you very much. I have to apologise. I tried to get a haircut for, the, uh, for our first live show, but um, I was told a three-week wait. That's, uh, that's uh, what it's like in Melbourne at the moment.
2: You know what? At least you attempted it because I have uh, just decided I'm not even going to bother with my barber for a couple more weeks. Going to let the shag grow out. You're Just a little bit longer.
0: T- keep tying it
2: up. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to keep tying it up or, or doing something, putting a cap on backwards when I do a workout or whatever. Uh, Christian Jolly from Champion Data, uh, the star of the show, welcome along to the live episode of the podcast. Thank you. A bit of a different uh, build up for you this week, obviously not being uh, in Brisbane. Uh, how How's the week in the office been for you?
1: Um, yeah, it's, it's been different. I sort of said... Um, you know, you, you know it's great final week when the brown on, but even the brown low started on Sunday night, which threw it all off a little bit. But um no, it's been it's been as busy as any other week. And um obviously, yeah, two sort of as we sort of spoke about two of the best five team two of the best teams from the last five years going head to head this week. So um yeah much this game
2: yeah I think we said in Tuesday's podcast that it's probably the f- grand final that the neutrals didn't really want you sort of like to see your Brisbane's and your Port Adelaide's um, make the grand final uh, but you know what the contest itself will be really good uh, I think guys and I think the weirdest thing about this whole week for me has just been saying it's going to be a night grand final because we're, we're finally here but I guess that's 2020 for you the year's been like no other and it seems that we've got a build-up that's been like nothing we've seen before Neil it's supposed to be you know the parade's supposed to be on right now. Normally we, or normally Jake or myself, would be um, sit down in the city, sort of getting some some footage and some interviews from that. But it's just been completely different.
3: It does feel it, it does feel so so different to to every other year, doesn't it? Um, and the fact that it's the first All Victorian Grand Final since I think two thousand and eleven, so it almost exacerbates the I guess the emptiness within Victoria that it would be so so huge this Grand Final if it was being played at the MCG, two traditional, you know. To traditional clubs and, and and certainly modern day powerhouses, and the fact that it's all been transported um, up to Queensland, which is which is fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. I'm um, excited about the spectacle and to see what it's like in a night grand final and what the gabba's like as a, as a host. I'm almost as excited about seeing how that all pans out as, as to the game itself. Mm, Speaking certainly. of
0: uh, getting trans- transported up to Queensland, did you see where they laid the MCG
3: turf? It doesn't look great, does it? What's in an point? afterthought.
2: I thought they were gonna plonk it in the goal square or, or have it, you know, as part as where the center circle is where the Ruckman go up just to you know, have a bit of Melbourne in, in Brisbane and they just I think they put it outside the Tigers race. So it might have some some significance for them there. But we should um, have got Kardinia Park, Patrick <laughs> Park for the Cats. What a what a disappointment that. Well, <laughs> that well Pri- Chris
0: Scott's already got an excuse if they lose. No, <laughs> no home ground advantage.
2: All right, okay, calm down. Um, this is not the U.S. presidential debate, so let's try and keep the decorum in here uh, for as much time as we can. Um, we might as well get straight into the agenda because obviously this is the biggest game of the year, and it's been it's been brewing for a while. I mean, this these two teams, Richmond, is the defending Premier and they're they're the well. You know, they've been the benchmark for the better part of four years now, uh, sort of as we mentioned. And the pressure is kind of on them to turn this period of dominance into a bit of a dynasty. Um, if they make it three flags from four, four years, Jake, you, you probably think that they're one of the, the best teams of all time, don't you?
0: Well, they have to go into that discussion. Certainly, have, I mean, we've, we've had a few teams in the last couple of decades. We had Brisbane uh, 20 years ago. We had the, the Cats team, the Hawks team. Um, and Richmond would now go three out of four. And I, and I think it's probably the way they've done it. This year's been such an incredible year. Damien Hardaway actually said at the beginning of the season that whoever wins it this year is really going to have to have earned it because, you know, it's, it's basically... They've, they haven't had their home ground advantage all year. Um, you know, there's been issues all season long. It's been a fair year in terms everyone's played each other once, um, if they win it, I think even if you're sick of the Tigers, even if you've had enough of seeing them win, you've just got to tip your hat and, and admit that they're one of the top teams of all time.
2: Neil, is it fair to say the pressure's on Richmond more to win than the Cats?
3: I'm not sure about that. I think there's a lot of pressure on Geelong as well. I think there's a lot of pressure on Chris Scott to prove himself as a premiership coach. I think a lot of people assume that, or you know, rightly or wrongly, that he inherited the list um, and won a flag in his first year. There's a lot of pressure on Patrick Dangerfield, rightly or wrongly, to prove himself on the biggest stage of all. Um, there's the Gary Abbott farewell factor. So I think there's a, just as much pressure on Geelong. And, you know, it might even be a little bit more because they've, they've got an ageing list as well. And, and I know that you, have Matt, you're one of the few that I know that have uh, tipped Geelong to make it this far since the start of the season. I think a few people assume that they might drop off the cliff a little bit. Um, but they, they do have a very mature list. And I think there's just as much pressure on the Cats as there is the Tigers. I mean, so Christian...
1: Talking of mature lists, I mean, they'll go in as the oldest grand final side uh, ever selected. So, talking about age, there's never been anyone older than uh, the, usually the final Saturday in September, but final Saturday in October. But, uh, so... Yeah, they've definitely got the, um, I agree with Neil, I think there's a little bit more pressure on Geelong just because they do have the older players and might be a last chance. Obviously, Gary Abbott will be his last game, Uh, a few others towards the pointy end of their career. So I think slightly more pressure on on Geelong.
2: Christian, I mean, what what are the stats there? What is the average age of the Cats going into this game? And do you, um, off the cuff, do you know what the average age is for for any game uh, throughout the year?
1: Uh, I haven't got off the top of my head the exact age for this week. Um, I just know, yeah, the last three, four weeks, they've been the oldest team, um, you know, the oldest finals team, and then they go into this week as the grand final. So, um, obviously, yeah, not a lot of changes to their team in the last three or four weeks. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're, they're right up there. I think they're they're a good year above um, the rest of the finalists in terms of their average age uh, across the years. So
3: Once Gary Ablett retires, it'll probably <laughs> bring their average age down by about three or four years, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think it was
1: well. Yeah, Lucky Henderson Zach Timmy I think, 30s as well So towards the yeah. later stage Of their career
3: Where do we um,
2: Where do we see this being Won and lost guys I mean we can look back At, at round 17 When when Richmond really stifled Geelong and, and had them Kept them to one goal To three quarter time uh, and, and basically ran out Winners from there We can go back to last year's Prelim where the Cats Burst out to an early lead Led by 21 points At half time Probably should have been Leading by more And then the Tigers clawed them back in. Christian, what are the sort of the stats say about this matchup and where it could be won and lost?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll start with one of the interesting things, interesting things for me is their head-to-head record. So from uh, 2001 to 2017, Geelong won 20 of the 21 games between these two sides. So talking about having a wood over another team, Geelong definitely had it over Richmond. But since the uh, 2017 qualifying final, Richmond um, beat them in that game, which snapped a 13-game losing streak against Geelong. And they've won four of the past five since. So, you know, it's been a bit of a turnaround. And they've probably got a little bit of a wood on Geelong, uh, including winning their last two. So, um, again, it, it's very much similar to last year's grand final. Geelong, very, very um, good at the stoppages. Second most stoppages per game. Like to keep the game congested and sort of score from there. Richmond, 17th for stoppages per game. Last for scoring from clearances. Um, very much a high turnover game. So, um yeah, sort of a little bit of structured football from Geelong and a bit, bit more chaos ball than general play um, sort of uh, focus for Richmond. So two very sort of um, different game styles. We well, go? that's
3: one of the things that I've become a little bit more confident in Richmond actually winning this game as the week's gone on is the, the knowledge that how much they've improved their clearance work in the last two games because um, talking about um, how poor they've been at clearances and scoring from clearances, Christian, for most of this season. And, and they seem to be able to turn it on in finals and adapt their game style. And, and they were actually quite dominant against a great stoppage team in Port uh, last weekend.
1: Yeah, across the home and away season, you're right. Non- negative 95 for total clearances, which was 17th. Um, first week against Brisbane, they were only negative one for clearances, but they got outscored by 21 points from that source, which was their worst uh, result for the Guinea game this year. Last two weeks, uh, in the semi-final against uh, St Kilda, I think they outscored them by 43 points from clearances, uh, which was Richmond's best result in any game this year. And then last week, I think they won the clearances by 12 against Port Adelaide, which was their best differential just at the straight clearances. So definitely in the last two weeks, they've realised, you know, they've recognised their weakness and what probably Brisbane were able to smash them in in the first week of finals and completely turned it around. So I, again, talking about the two games styles, I do have confidence that Richmond... It can sort of tighten up at the stoppages and uh, probably, you know, bring it to even in the clearance count. Hopefully on the day, it's one thing to
2: identify a weakness in your in your game style, but Jake, it's a completely different thing to be able to flick a switch and and just completely reverse the result from the qualifying final like the Tigers have done.
0: Ah, hundred percent. But I also think just just on the other point, the Cats have to be really careful not to get not to get worried if the Tigers start well, because obviously. We all know how destructive they were last year. They got their run on, and it was pretty much over just after half time. So, if the Cats start slowly, they can't panic. They've, they've got to realise they've got to stay in the game because it's going to be a it's a coin flip of a game. I don't think we've ever can't remember the last time a grand final has actually been so close, so hard to to pick a winner. Um, but yeah, they've just got to hang in there. They've just got to stay in there if the Tigers start well.
2: Neil, does the weather play a part in this? It looks like the forecast for Brisbane tomorrow night's going to be quite warm, but it could also be quite wet. Does that benefit one team or, or another?
3: It seems like it's going to be, a, you know, a, to, to varying degrees, wet through the night. Um, and I think I think it's pretty obvious that Richmond are a fantastic wet weather team. They, they care less about maintaining possession and controlling the footy. They just want to get it forward, keep it forward, um, and score from there. And, and wet weather footy seems to be, you know, that, that, that plays to that advantage. So, the wetter it is, I think the Tigers will be rubbing their hands together pretty uh, with a, a fair bit of excitement about the conditions.
0: And if it is wet, I think we're, I think it's pretty clear that we'll, I mean, you'd think that we're probably going to see Dusty and Danger probably spending a little bit less time in the forward line. I think they're going to have to play, push into the midfield more to be around the ball. There's going to be a, you know, a, lot, more, a lot more congestion. There's going to be a lot more stoppages if it is wet, depending on how wet it is. And I think they're both just going to be wasted standing in the forward line for long periods of time. So, I mean, for the neutral fan, it could be pretty exciting seeing those two guys around the ball.
2: 100%. I mean, speaking of those two, <laughs> Dangerfield's one storyline we can focus on. Dusty uh, winning a third and, and potentially a third Norm Smith is another storyline. There are just so many stories coming from, from all angles, really, about this game. Neil, if you had to pick the juiciest one or the ones run with, I mean, what's the most intriguing aspect of this matchup?
3: So, yeah, outside of the, you know, who wins and and who loses, for me, it's the danger field factor. Um, The fact that there's been so much pressure on him when he did move to Geelong um, and obviously wanted to go home for lifestyle reasons, but a lot of people thought that he just wanted to join a team on the up and and challenge for flags and he's never made it to this stage. So um, the fact that a lot of the... A lot of fans and a lot of even media as well think that if you don't win a flag, you can't be considered a great, which is an argument I completely disregard. But it's the one big chasm in his CV, the fact that he's not a flag winner. So I can't wait to see how he plays. Um, Because even the greats get nervous. So the fact that he's there for the first time, I'm really intrigued to see how he'll play. Jake? It's
0: got to be Gary Abbott, doesn't it? Last game. I mean... I was thinking before, I think Shane Crawford in two thousand and eight might have been the last well, certainly the last Brownlow medalist, but the last big time player to to finish their career with a premiership medal. So I mean, again, kinda of like what I said earlier, um, who, who would who would begrudge Ablett taking a taking a premiership on his way out?
2: Well yeah, it would be the tale ending to <laughs> Yeah, potentially. But it would be the fairy tale ending to one of, one of the, probably the best careers we, we've ever seen, Christian. I mean, do you subscribe to Jake's or Neil's theory, or do you have a, a juicy storyline in mind?
1: Um, no, I, I think Gary Ablett definitely in his final game. You know, we've spoken about probably the best player of our era. Um, you know, career coming to a close and a chance to finish with a premiership. I mean, you know, that'll, that'll be the top story, I think, if he can get his, his hands on the medal. Uh, which would be a stir. But I think we've covered the top story, and it, it is. It's, it's night time at the Gabba. It's, uh, it's so different. I think, you know, it's great to look forward to the game and the contest, but, yeah, looking forward to the event. It's so different to every other year.
2: I know. I mean, you, you sort of suspect that, that Gill and McLaughlin and the AFL's eyes are going to be, yeah, sure, on, on the game itself, but there's going to be a lot of eyes to the stands, a lot of eyes to maybe social media and the reaction to just how this is received
3: by the footy public, you'd think, Neil? Yeah, a lot of pressure on the on the entertainment, uh, yes, you a big DMAs that, fan? Yeah, uh, I have heard of them. I'm showing my age here, um, <laughs> but the fact that so much of the the push to have a night grand final is to have a better halftime entertainment. You know, we love copying in America and what they do at the Super Bowl. So those musicians will want to actually get the job done and, and not do a meatloaf.
2: <laughs> Very true. Very true. I think Neil, you summed it up for me. Uh, the storyline for me is is Chris Scott and finally getting a chance to show that. He didn't inherit that list, which he did inherit in uh, in 2011 and sort of swanned his way into that first flag. Um, the fact that he's got so close so many times before shows he's a great coach. Um, but now to sort of to cap it off, I think you talk about um, Nathan Buckley and, and, and having his career without a flag and he didn't feel fulfilled. I think Chris Scott would feel most fulfilled if he can if he can win this flag. And, and for me, that's one of the main storylines that I'll be keeping an eye on and, and uh, watching with interest. Um, Jake, you mentioned just before, Martin and Dangerfield, where they'll play midfield forward. You've had a lot of strong opinions on on where Dangerfield plays throughout the year. Not so much on Martin. Um, have they gone head to head before, Christian? Like, do we, I know we talk about this famed matchup of oh Dusty and Danger in the middle, but does it happen? Well, it doesn't. Not,
1: not really. I mean, they've never been the you know they've never been the main opponent of each other across a game. So, 2016 round 21, they played against each other for 15 minutes, uh, 23 minutes round 21, 2017, and then. Um, I think it was yeah, twenty-eight minutes late in two thousand eighteen. But the last two times they've uh last two times these clubs have played. These two those two have never gone anywhere near each other. So uh yeah, I don't think we'll see a, a direct head-to-head battle from them. Um but yeah, it might be for half a quarter or so. We might might be lucky enough to witness it.
2: And uh Tom Lynch in that prelim final last year between these two teams kicked five and was uh one of the best on the ground. Neil, it's gonna be a bit of a handful for for the fullbacks I mean if it gets wet, it might be on the deck a bit more. But but Tom Hawkins and, and Tom Lynch in particular are two of the best key forwards and the backmen are going to have their hands full.
3: Yeah, but the, both defences are structured so well that it, they rarely get monstered by one player, especially if it's a little bit wet. So the fact that Lynch and Hawkins both compete so well and at worst bring the ball to ground and and both teams have those, you know, so many sort of nippy-half forward options, forward pockets that can, that can rove and crumb and create opportunities just through their... Um, the opportunistic side of of the forward line play. So even if it wasn't wet, I wouldn't be expecting Lynch or Hawkins to be the match winners. I think it would be just them doing their job. I sound very, very boring talking about structures and just playing a role, but I think the fact that they create opportunities for their teammates is just as important as the goals they kick.
2: And you'd think that Richmond's ruckman, Toby Nankervis might have to get on his bike and and take some of those throw ins and and ruck contests in, in his back 50 considering how good Tom Hawkins has been uh,
3: rucking in the forward 50 in recent weeks. Absolutely, and it's fantastic to see someone really get an extra weapon. Um, like Tomahawk has been one of the best key forwards of, of the last ten years or so, but it seems like the last this season, maybe maybe the last eighteen months, he's really got that weapon of controlling the 50 um, ruck contest, even against you know bona fide ruckman um, and Kane Pittman. One of our um, freelancers really dived um, deep into the stats um, about how well Hawkins does control the ruck contest, especially against, you know, really good ruckman. Um, so I think Nankervis, if they play the one ruckman, he is going to cover a lot of territory. He's going to have to get up and back. He's not going to be able to let his defenders just take Hawkins on. So yeah, big, big, uh, big challenge for Nankervis to actually be able to you know compete down there and then race up the other end if they get the clearance.
2: Absolutely. Jake, we've talked about the, uh, the superstars on both sides, but but. Uh... You've been really hot on Cam Guthrie all year uh, at the Cats and and said that he's had a career best year. Sam has had a really good year. Mitch Duncan uh, at at times has been excellent for the Cats. We talk about Dangerfield, but these sort of lesser lights, and I say those in inverted commas, could they have more of an impact on this game than than what, what people think?
0: Absolutely. I mean... You know, obviously Martin's won two Norm Smiths and he's played brilliantly in both Grand Finals. But I think you've kind of got to look at the... the it's, and it's it's a bit rude to say the next level down. But the guys that sit just below Dangerfield and, and Martin, and you name, you name them all for the Cats. I mean, you can throw in Selwood and Ablett and Parfit. I mean, they've got a lot of players that can go through the midfield. And... I think that's where the game's going to be won. Particularly if it's going to be wet. I think it's going to be a real contested game. You're going to need to have a lot of depth in the midfield. Look, the Tigers have it too. The Tigers have, you know, Cochin, Lambert, Prestia, Prestia, Bolton. They've got the players to do it. Uh, It's going to be a fierce inside battle. I think the Cats probably have the edge there, though. Prestia,
1: for me, is an underrated one. I mean, even in last year's preliminary final, he was probably the one that, sort of turned the game around. They were behind by 20 points at time against the Cats and finished with 16 touches, two goals in the second half and a few really, really vital clearances. So I think, again, all those names definitely will stand up. But Presti is probably the one for me that could be the really, uh, the one that flies under the radar and really gets Richmond moving.
2: I'm glad you mentioned flying under the radar because that's what he's done since he came back from injury. Uh, he's just been playing a great role for this side, uh, picking up his 2022 20, disposals and having, having some decent impact. So he could definitely be one to watch out for for the Tigers. Uh, one that we haven't seen in recent weeks, Jack Revolt, uh, only the one goal from his last two games, the, uh, the semi final and the prelim final win. Are we about to see Jack come back or is he in a bit of a quiet patch, do we think, Neil?
3: He hasn't looked his usual sprightly self this year. Hasn't had I mean. to, to be fair? No, and they've been winning you know, without him dominating. And I think everyone knows that, that Jack's gone from being that, that focal point you know, that kicks the majority of their goals. As soon as they got Tom Lynch, he's become more of a, you know, a role player, you know, creating space. But I must admit, I'm a little bit worried about the way he's playing. He doesn't look like he's got as much mobility um, and as much power. And that's what happens sometimes when you get the wrong side of 30 and you're a power forward you know if you if you start losing you know a little bit of your your speed and your power you can you can really fall off a cliff a little bit and i i worry that he's not actually going to be around for much longer so um i've really admired his career um and he's probably got maybe one more year but he looks like he looks like he's in, in a downward slope in saying that I'd, I'd still have
0: him on your team in the yeah, grand final but he yeah. kicked five
3: last year in the in the grand final having had a pretty quiet back half of that last year as well so don't write him off, but um, he's still one that the cats are really going to have to concentrate on. Absolutely.
2: Uh, let's move on. We're going to play a little round of our, our favourite game on the podcast. It's called Justified Hype or Hyperbole. Basically, I'll, for those who haven't heard this before, I'll say a statement uh, and these guys will tell me that I'm talking rubbish and it's all hyperbole or the hype is indeed justified. Um, we've been talking about him, Jake. Dusty will have claimed to be the AFL's greatest of all time if he wins another flag in Norm Smith
0: hundred percent. Yeah, that's justified. No. I
2: mean... Oh, <laughs> hold on. Two minutes uninterrupted. Okay. <laughs> we'll okay, yeah. There. Presidential debate now. <laughs>
0: well, firstly, if he wins another Premiership and he's best on ground against another Norm... Sorry, did you say if he gets another Norm Smith as well?
2: Yes, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, he'll be doing something that no one's ever done before in the game. Not to mention, he's also got a Brownlow medal. He's also got the handful of All-Australian Blazers, um, club best and fairest, MVP awards. He's won everything. Um, to go in with three premierships and not only that, but to actually be best on ground in all three is an achievement that hasn't been done before and will struggle to ever be done again.
3: Neil, rebuttal, please. I don't, I don't think he's quite at that level. Like, yes, his, award, his awards cabinet will, will be probably the greatest of all time. And, I, and I'm not talking him down because you know, he is in the conversation of, of one of the best, certainly in this generation, but he's not the best player I've seen. You know, Wayne Carey at his best, um, Ablett Senior at his best. Um, so, you're, guys,
0: so you're saying that they're already better than him? Nothing that Martin can do would put him
3: ahead? Well, I wouldn't say nothing that they could do. I mean, if if, Ablett, uh, if, if Dusty continues to play like this for another four or five years, um, then, I mean, we're talking about degree, you know, incredibly fine degrees. But I I think he's not quite at their level. I think it's easy to play midfield these days and you, you're hard to get a tag. Those guys play with the best key defenders on them, you know, every single second of every single game. Um, <laughs> So I just think that they're they're my greatest of all time that I've seen, and then you're, you're discounting the people that you haven't seen back in the in the past as well.
2: We, we've had this debate a bit about you know how much a flag means to you, sort of your personal gratification on your career. If Ablett senior had been if he'd won three flags in four years, for instance, as part of the Geelong sides that were quite successful in the late '80s and early '90s, you'd probably be looking at him as as the greatest of all time. I mean, I think Neil's right in that the flags. Elevate Dusty to another level, but Jake's right in that if he's best on ground in all three flags, it's kind of hard to argue. Christian, you got a thought?
1: Yeah, again, it's it's one of those things. I look at Dusty and he's up there with the best players ever. But I would elevate him to one of the best big game players if he, mm. if he wins another non spin So a little bit in Neil's camp, you know, you got Carey and um, you know, even you know someone like Lance Franklin who's just had you know an outstanding career and a clear match winners and. Right up there, but Dusty, in terms of in big games and being able to turn it on, if he wins a third non Smith medal, I'd easily put him up there as the best big game player. I've what's, ever seen. what's Dusty's weakness? Yeah. Silence. He doesn't,
0: he doesn't have a weakness. <laughs> For me, like, it's not, exactly. For me, it's, his weakness um, it's is he, he, his doesn't the, yeah, he doesn't play at the grand final level every single game. That's yeah, the thing know, that just surprises me.
1: He's a big game player. Yeah, the only time we can think of Dusty being out of form or low in form is the first five or six rounds last year. Yeah. Uh, it last year, or before, and we're not talking him down. Missing. Yeah, no. that was still getting twenty touches and kicking two goals. So I don't think he's got it too much. All right, let,
0: let's just let's ask this: if he if he wins, actually, no, forget forget whether he wins it or not. Is Dustin Martin a top ten player of all time right at today?
2: Uh, yeah, I think he is. Yeah.
0: I think he definitely is. I I think this is the...
2: And we've we've talked about a lot on this podcast. It's the opposite of recency bias. It's because he's so fresh that you probably don't appreciate in in the context of just how great he is. In 10, 10, 20 years, we'll look back... There's a
3: player in this grand final that we can... From his own era, that might be considered better than him. That's Gary Ablett. Potentially, yeah. You might already be saying in the same game that he's second best, so...
2: We could argue this for, for ages, guys, I, so we'll move on. We'll move on to the next the, one, Jake. Just, just uh, this one thing, I get, get fired up about this. <laughs> get, get rid of him.
0: It's incredible with Dustin Martin because you can you can grab someone that's never watched the game before, put them in front of a TV, and within two minutes, you, can ju- and you don't have to know anything about the sport, but you just know straight away that he's the best player on the ground pretty much any time he plays. And there's not many players you can say that about.
3: So Fair we're enough. not we're not talking down. This is this is like the you, you get fired up about the LeBron um, MJ debate, and you get fired up oh, yeah. because people say one's way better than the other, and one's no. We're talking about you know minute <laughs> degrees here. Yeah, they they he's yeah he's
2: up there. Right, well, I, I hesitate to ask or to say the next statement for justified hype or hyperbole because we might have <laughs> another argument. Um, Paddy Dangerfield needs a flag to be considered an all-time
3: great, Neil. It helps. You know, it helps the argument that he's in that conversation, um, you know, and I don't want to go back over the ground that we've already gone over about what, you know, what Dusty's achieved. But um, as I said before, it's a glaring hole in his CV. And I think, you know, I think he's already probably in the conversation for this era as you know, one of the greatest of this era. No, certainly one of the greatest in this era. Um, I think if he adds a flag, I think that he sits up there, you know, really comfortably among Ablett and Dusty.
2: Uh, Jake, if he doesn't win a flag, is he still an all-time great? Is he in the same sort of boat as Abbott Senior and, and Nathan Buckley who didn't win flags?
0: Yeah, is, is Gary Ablett Senior and Nathan Buckley, are they considered all-time greats? Yeah, of course they are. So why shouldn't Dangerfield? I, I think the whole idea of... My point about Martin is... Kind of, I think Christian's right. He, he should be regarded as a big game player. But Dangerfield, it's crazy to not consider him one of the great players of not only the modern era, but probably by the time he finishes, one of the great players of all time. I mean, again, look at look at how what he polls in the Brownlow Medal. He's going to poll more votes than any player by the time he's finished his career. He's an incredible footballer. Who cares if he hasn't won a won a premiership? It's not his fault. He's not twenty. There's not twenty two of him going out on Grand Final day.
2: Fair enough. Uh, Christian, the last justified hype or hyperbole statements. The AFL will not go back to the day grand final after this weekend.
1: Cool. Um, again, probably it could be it could be some justified hype in that. I would think if they're going to move to a night grand final, you'd do it after the first one. Uh, so if we go back to a day grand final next year, I feel we're stuck with that for 10, 15 years, but I yeah. feel if the, the time to move to a night grand final has to be the, you know, the, the next season from having one, so uh, I'd say unlikely to see a day grand final again at this stage. Anyone, if they, in if they, yeah, if they go back, it's
0: almost saying it didn't work last year, mm. and it's and That's then you're right, it's Definitely. not a good
2: uh, not necessarily, they could just say it was a one off because 2020 was so. Nah, I reckon you've got they, to run uh, with it. Oh, I reckon I you got, yeah. I'm not convinced, I, I get, I just have a gut feeling that the, the day grand final will be back next year. Nah, I just have that yeah. feeling. I think you people, just want to have
0: your barbecues. People will, miss, people will barbecue. miss that.
2: People will miss the barbecues. People will miss the ability to then why go out you, after the grand final. A,
0: why can't you have a barbecue a little bit later in the day? I don't understand. Every other sport has a...
2: Well, think, think about it this way. Uh, if, a, if, a, if the footy goes back to normal, like last Saturday in September, daylight savings won't have begun or ended or whatever it is. So, really... Uh, yeah, I,
0: but, the, I, but, the, but the
2: grand, well, grand final will be back in Yes, it will be. But I also think that um, oh, I don't know. It's kind of hard. I just got the gut feeling that uh, they'll want to go back to a day grand final because you can do things either side of it. Um, maybe I'm speaking selfishly as a member of the media. I don't want to be up till one, two o'clock in the morning <laughs> after the grand final. A bit of that.
1: yeah.
2: Maybe that's it. Uh, all right, that's good. We got to we got to wrap things up though for this uh, special live edition of the podcast. Thanks, guys, uh, for joining us. But before we do go. Uh, I'll get your last tips. Uh, you're on record in front, and, uh, Jake as being on the Cats. Are you still with the Cats? Uh, what's your margin? Who's your Norm Smith Medal winner and your first goal kicker, just for fun?
0: Uh, yeah, I am still on the Cats. Um, we all did this. Um, we did this before the final started, and I picked the Cats and Guthrie for the Norm Smith. So I'm going to stay with Guthrie. I think he's a he's had a really good year, as you mentioned before. Um, margin Cats. I'll go by about. 13 points and first goal scorer is a mug's bet. It's a bit of a crapshoot,
2: but I will pick Gary Rowan. Gary Rowan. My mate, mate. He he my mate Gary, Gary Rowan. Christian, uh, last tip Norm Smith and first goal kicker.
1: Yeah, I'm going Richmond by probably 19. Uh, I'll stick with Dion Prestia as my Norm Smith, the under the radar player. And let's play, say first goal kicker, I'll go Tom. Tom <laughs> Hawkins. Or Lynch. Oh, <laughs> hey, <Tom. laughs> I thought it cut out no, there. I thought we'll, we'll the internet. Go with, I'll go with Tom Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: thought the internet cut out there, and, and I missed something. But you just said Tom
1: <laughs> Neil. Yeah,
3: I've got more and more confident as the weeks progress that Richmond will win, especially with the forecast. So I'll go the Tigers by sixteen points. Uh, Shane Edwards for the Norm Smith, and but I'll buck the trend of the Tigers' domination with the first goal kicker Gary Ablett, to stream out of the centre and kick one. Um, Which would be (laughs) wonderful to see It would be such a good start to the game Um, But I think then the Tigers will pull their way back
2: Build build on some momentum if you do that If you're the the Cats (laughs) Um,
3: I've I've stuck with
2: the Cats all year As you say Neil So I can't back out now Even though as you say The forecast looks favourable to Richmond And and their style of play Um, So I'm going to go Geelong by a kick So six points Uh, I'll stick with I I said I'd play the percentages with the Norm Smith And and go with Danger And I'll, I'll stick with that I think Dangerfield can win the Norm Smith uh, and the first goal kicker, I'm thinking Zachtui, can the first for the Cats, uh, you know, floating around half forward or getting a little cheapy hand pass. I like
0: that. I like that. I, I reckon I can, I can see that in my mind. He's done that a million times,
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, guys, next time we speak, uh, we'll be after the grand final and we know the answer to all of these questions. Thank you very much uh, to all of you guys for joining us and all of you at home for listening throughout the year or on this Facebook live stream. We uh, appreciate your support throughout the year. Uh, we'll speak to you on Tuesday. Uh, if you're not subscribed, please do. You can find us uh, where, wherever you get your podcasts. Um,
1: but thanks, and we'll speak for listening to you guys in to the, the ESPN one. Footy Tips AFL Podcast.